Welcome to The Lover, The Fighter, Lover Edition. Welcome to episode one of The Lover, The Fighter. My name's Lou, and since I picked the song for today's episode, I'm in the driver's seat. My co-host is powerful Christopher Leffler. Ugh, hello there. <laughs> you, sound, <laughs> you sound much more powerful this I, time. I, I need more grunts. More, <laughs> more grunts. More, more grunts, please. Uh, this is The Lover edition, so we're going to be relaxing today in this episode. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about In Tow by the band C-Clamp. Into is the third track off of C-Clamp's second album called Longer Waves, which was released in 1999, and it turned out was their final album. Um, as far as I know, they broke up right around the time this was released. So, yeah, that's a bummer. And yeah, that... I already know that you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a lot of people fucking do. Yes. Uh, C-Clamp is, in my opinion, like one of the best bands nobody's ever heard of. They're one of those bands that I've turned a lot of people on. And just for full disclosure, uh, I not only made the Facebook like page for C-Clamp, but I also wrote their Wikipedia entry. <laughs> so if after this episode you look them up on the internet, chances are both the things you will come across, I'm the one who put up there. But I, I assure you, all the information was researched and is correct. <laughs> did, when when you did that, did you get any feedback from them? Did you try to contact them at all? Or no, no, I, I it's not really my style. So no, n- none of them reached out to me about it. I don't. I feel like they don't live that kind of a life. You know what I mean? They're not trolling the internet looking to see how many times they're mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, I've never, I've never had anybody. I, it's weird because on the Facebook page, people assume that C Clamp is the one who's running it, so they will ask questions like, "When are you guys getting back together?" And uh, honestly, I'm not even gonna say like I'm not C Clamp. <laughs> New not, tracks coming yeah, soon. Yeah, exactly. They they broke up friggin' like 13 or 14 years ago. Like, move on. As much as it's awesome, don't expect them to still be a band. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, I got into C-Clamp when I was uh, living in Newport Beach, California in 1996. Um, a bunch of my friends were going to college at the University of Illinois in Champaign, Illinois, which is like right in the middle of Illinois. And in the middle to late 90s, Champaign was a major hub in the Midwestern emo scene, uh, you know, linked kind of to Chicago that way. So my friends would send me seven inches and mixtapes with lots of cool shit uh, that I couldn't easily get in California, being that this was kind of pre-internet uh, is in everybody's house. I think the only time I went online was when I went to the library at that point. But at some point, my friend Clay, who was going to school at U of I, sent me uh, seven inch by C-Clamp and I liked it immediately. One song in particular called Fox and the Hound uh, grabbed me. And a funny little anecdote, the, the friend Clay who had sent me that 7-inch called me in California this one day and you know he asked what I was doing and I told him that I was learning how to play the main riff in that song, Fox and the Hound. He told me to play it for him, so I put the phone down and, and did. When I picked the phone back up, I could hear him talking to somebody in the background. <laughs> and he finally got uh, back on the phone. He told me the bass player, Nick, of C-Clamp was over at his apartment and he had just put him on the phone to like hear my version of their song. 
so <laughs> That's fucking nuts yeah it's total coincidence like he didn't he called me just to see how i was doing and he just happened to have that dude over at his place but you know shit like that happens when you dig on music in in like a small scene that you're kind of involved in i guess uh, but <laughs> i had never met nick at that point uh, but he seemed flattered that i like their stuff enough to learn it so that was my introduction to c clamp I know your introduction to C-Clamp was me, <laughs> right? Was it, I can't remember, did I like put it in your hands and say, you need to listen to this? Or did I just hand you a bunch of shit and was like, listen to this at some point and you found it on your own? You know what, it, it was probably that kind of situation. I mean, it, just for the record, for people who don't know, you know, mine and Lou's history, he's uh, someone who I met while working at Best Buy. He, uh, Strolled in in his khakis and had his interview while I was standing up at the LP booth, uh, greeting fucking customers. That? I absolutely remember it. I was like, "Who's this fucking guy?" Do you really, <laughs> dude. I, I remember the first time I saw you, and uh, there was pre cum dripping that's... down my leg. <laughs> <laughs> that one goes out to Dan. Yeah, uh, that's uh, funny. Yeah, that's I funny. remember you were coming in for your interview. You like, you know. You came in through the exit or whatever, so I was like, okay, this guy's probably been here before or whatever. You went into the uh, SDR, was it called, right? Yeah. That that office. And then you came out, and you're like, oh, hey, man, see you later. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> was that my yeah, first our, interview or my second interview? It was the no, first you know time what? I had seen you. You know what? Now that I'm thinking back, I had my first and second interview the same day. I, I came in, and I talked to, um, you remember Matt, the assistant manager? Yeah, Matt Radke. Yeah, a cool guy. I had my first interview with him, and then he liked me, so he had me wait. And then I had my second interview with I can't remember the manager's name at the time, the guy that got fired for calling somebody fat. <laughs> Did he really you know get what I'm fired for about? that? Yeah, the fucking he, got, uh, he was like late thirties or he you was know, late thirties to mid forties. Yeah, he's yeah. 40s. and he was a short guy, had glasses and like a fucking flat top or something like that. Yeah, he uh, Randy, my, I think his name. was. I think you're right. I think his name was Randy, but he. Yeah. Uh, it was at a point when the the manager of the car installation department was uh, gone. They needed one, and they had people apply. And one of the guys that applied for that was a guy who was an installer who was chubby. And at some point, he, the manager yelled across Best Buy to somebody else, "Hey, did you see the fat guy applied?" And oh. and the guy heard that and called HR. HR came in and did like interviews, and they fucking fired his ass. That is insane. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we ended up with uh, Todd right after that, right? God anyway yeah i think it was but yeah that's funny that you remember seeing me that first day i remember seeing my wife the first time when i walked into target but i don't remember you at all that day yeah i remember you later but not that I was, day I was, I was wearing a yellow shirt and i was kind of chubby yeah i was wearing a probably like a black or a blue shirt and kind of chubby yeah you're wearing a black beanie too no i wasn't for my interview was it cold dude i i i don't know maybe you were fucking fashion statement to an interview (laughs) well you like came in from outside and like but i'm pretty sure it was the summer dude no way yeah i got hired in like july or june or something yeah for sure maybe i was on fucking shrooms i don't know know, man (laughs) you're wearing your fucking mormon magic underwear i was (laughs) (laughs) all right back to c-clamp how would you uh how would you describe c-clamp sound oh my god um I, I guess for people that don't know what emo is, I would, you know, call it indie. And, um, you know, they have some mathy elements to them. Uh, very melodic, very full, a lot of, you know, intertwining between guitar and bass. That bass is, like, so flowy, you know, it just, like, fucking... And actually, you know, listening to this song, I, I wrote a couple notes down, and it's just... 
you know, the bass player of C-Clamp, he backs everything up and does lead at the same time. Yeah, it's really weird. Like he I, obviously he's making up for the fact that there's only one guitar player, but he does it in such a way where it just it almost takes the bass to a different level. Like it's doing something else. One of my favorite bass players for sure. Yeah, it's very and, fucking and, cool. Yeah, like four people know who he is, you know. <laughs> I know that's the fu- thing that's fucked about this band is they're so awesome and nobody nobody's heard of them. I mean, they're yeah, they're, and it's kind of their own. I think their own fault a little bit, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this sounds very atm- atmospheric. Uh, it's mo- it's like math rock without all the jarring time signatures. I mean, it's got weird time signatures, but they're very like you said, flowy. Like they don't. It doesn't try to be crazy. It just, it's just it is what it is. Yeah, I think I think the the drummer kind of takes that i mean the drums are are very you know they're they're complicated and they're not like he he takes a complicated drum part and makes it not sound very complicated you know yeah for sure if, if that makes sense i don't know it makes sense to me um i love you yeah <laughs> <laughs> their uh their music is much more complex than you think on first listen like when you first listen it sounds sort of you know it's kind of simple in terms of just you know uh, chords and strumming and some notes in the background but you know, we listen to it again and like in headphones and shit it's there's a lot of layers to what they're doing and all three members contribute like pretty equally to that sound totally uh, the guitarist tom who also sings lead plays a lot of open chords with strange fingerings uh he works hard to make up for the fact that he's the only guitar player by having amazing finger dexterity and then the bass player nick tends to drift into like melodic role pretty regularly like he it almost it's almost like nick plays plays his bass like the guitar and the guitar player plays his guitar like the bass in terms of you know holding down the the root notes and you know keeping it grounded agreed yeah but you know but it doesn't feel weird like it feels right you know it's, it's if, that, fucking... if that's wrong i don't want to be right dude <laughs> me either uh, <laughs> and then you add to that the drummer franz who uh was my favorite drummer for many years like you know he's in my if i pick like my top five drummers ever he's he's in there he's fucking awesome yeah um, his drumming is very jazzy, uh, in the, in that way where he's always moving, like hitting cymbals and toms constantly, but it never feels crowded. If you listen to it, there's almost no point where he's not doing something, but it doesn't feel like showy or like, you know, li- like I said, like crowded at all. No, you, you called it. He's very jazzy and, you know, kind of like I said, like I imagine watching him would be pretty amazing because it's just like. You know, his hands will fall where they may, and wherever they're going to fall is going to be the right place, you know, or he'll make something out of it. Well, and that's kind of how it looked when he's playing. His, he didn't like, it didn't look like he was striking the drums. It just kind of looked like his arms were moving around, you know, and he was just kind of like whacking shit as he went by it. But, I mean, all very clearly, he knew what he was doing. It wasn't like random. But I remember seeing him once and he was fucking holding a maraca in one hand and shaking it in a rhythm while keeping the drum beat going with his other hand. And like, oh, but the maraca would just come in for certain parts of the song. So like, he'd put it down and he'd play the drums. And at some point, you wouldn't even see him. All of a sudden, he'd be holding a fucking maraca up next to his head, <laughs> like shaking it while he was playing. It was fucking crazy. That's nuts. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, him and Ryan Rapsis, the the drummer of Gage, are probably my two favorite live drummers to watch. You know, outside of the metal genre, because that's a whole other animal when you watch a metal drummer. But oh yeah, yeah, Ryan Rapsis did some crazy shit that. I mean, we'll talk. Eventually, we'll do a Gage song, and I'll talk about that. But he he definitely gave me a boner. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the drummer of uh, C Clamp also liked Carpentry, 
And <laughs> through the through the grapevine, I heard that while they were writing what would be their third album, he put a fucking nail through his thumb or some shit, and that pretty much ended his career as a drummer. Oh God! Yeah, that's that's the rumor. Um, I don't you know know hundred percent that that's true exactly. I'm sure some part of that is true, but if it's true, it's fucked up. It's really sucks. But I'm sure he's out there building fucking you know <laughs> dining room tables and is happy. Hopefully he's happy. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. So in a so in '97, I moved in with some friends in Champagne. Like you know, it, it kind of links this episode. I ended up moving from where I was living when I heard C Clamp to Champagne to live with the friend who sent me that C Clamp seven inch. And it was while living there that I got to see. Uh, I first of all, I got their first album, which was called Meander and Return, and I got to see them play live um, a couple of times while living there. One of those times was at a place called the Blind Pig. And uh, during that set, they played In Tow, the song that we're talking about today. It was the first time I'd heard it, and I was fucking mesmerized by it. I vividly remember how you remember me walking in for my interview in my beanie in the middle of summer. (laughs) I vividly remember staring at Tom's mustard yellow Gibson SG, trying to memorize the chords he was playing during the verses of that song, which for the record, in case anybody out there is wondering, is a variation on a C chord followed by a variation on an A chord with a lot of little, you know, noty shit going on. Um, but that fucking verse riff, when I first heard it, it, it doesn't just fucking hit the spot. It kicks the spot right in the fucking nuts. Oh, my God. I know. So the G, the G spot. Yeah. Do particular. you uh, do you remember that? Did this? I mean, this for me, this is probably my favorite C clamp song. It's up there with like three or four others that I would, you know, put in a batch of the, their best stuff. But when you first heard this song, was it one that stood out to you or was it just like another awesome song? And then you had like your favorite couple of tracks. This this actually was a song that I needed to go back and listen to a couple times because, you know, I actually, unless I'm crazy, which I might be, you know, we had a conversation about listening to this album. I was like, dude, did you fucking listen to it yet? Because, you know, there was a period of time where I was like, you know, show me everything emo that you know. And this was like one of the things on that list. And he's like, well, did you listen to the song in tow? And I was like, well, yeah, but I didn't get to the end of it. Like I changed it or something. And they're like, dude, you fucked up. (laughs) You know, go back and listen to that before you talk to me. So, you know, I went back and, you know, it's the reason we're doing, you know, an episode on this song is because it's so fucking good. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's that moment. I don't know how I would have felt about it if the first time I heard it was just on album. But the fact that the first time I heard it was live and I remember it stood out to me, you know, it was separate from the rest of the stuff they played. I mean, I like all their shit and they're awesome live. But this song, how how similar was it live compared to the album? It to my memory is exactly the same as what they did. Okay. Like, I, I remember the solo and everything. Like, I just remember being like, what the fuck is this? Like, I, I don't know, something about the the melody of, of it. We'll, we'll talk about more of that in a minute. But yeah, it's fucking awesome. The song starts with a shifty little drum beat that has this, uh, you know, this crazy staggered second snare hit in it. And to me, like, it doesn't really give the impression of what gorgeous a riff is coming after that. Like, I didn't, when I heard it live, I didn't know what this was. It was unfamiliar to me. And, you know, it comes in. I'm just like, what is that?
like kind of a fade in or kind of like a swell mm-hmm. that he's doing on guitar did he do that or was it just like straight up drums no it was just drums it's just drums yeah. and then he just strummed that first uh, c chord so, yeah that's but, awesome too because you know just hearing that drum part you really don't know what the fuck's coming you know it could be some like crazy you know arithmetic fucking you know yeah when the guitar comes in there's this high-pitched feedback note you're talking about going in the background that yeah. sort of fades in and out while the bass rides all over the place that's weird because when you listen, like when I listen in headphones, I hadn't listened to the song in a little while when I put this on, but um, I didn't remember that feedback being so loud, <laughs> you know, like it's yeah, all, yeah, it's pretty prominent, you know. It's yeah, like it's right pretty, there. it's it's hard to miss it, um, and I don't that I don't remember that from when they played it live at all. But I also remember his fingers are moving a fucking lot. Like when you listen to this this riff, it's chords with him playing notes, but I remember his like f- hands looking like a spider all the time in almost every song they played his hands looked like that plus singing while doing that shit is so hard yeah and he sang just like what you hear in the album i mean you know it's not real complex vocal stuff but i mean the stuff he's playing is fucking crazy i i couldn't do it i mean i guess maybe if i practiced the same song over and over again i could learn it but the stuff he's doing is really challenging and i can't imagine having to sing while doing that like the guy he looks very unassuming he's got glasses he kind of looked like a nerd um yeah. And like I said, you know, a nerd up there with a fucking mustard yellow SG. Gibson SG <laughs> is a, a brand of guitar. It's actually the same guitar I play. Uh, and for the record, I had my SG um, before I saw C-Clamp play. <laughs> and it, my, and it, it, it's not mustard yellow. No, it's not. It's black. But I actually got that. That SG was directly inspired by Kevin Frank of Gage and um, the the guitar players of Fugazi, who both have Gibson SGs. Yeah. So, which is weird because I tend to play more metal on it than anything else over the years. So it's it's not from Angus Young then. It's so not from Angus Young. <laughs> In fact, I had to like get the stank of Angus Young off of it when I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't explain why you wear a fucking schoolboy outfit while you play, dude. So uh, that's, just, that's just my normal outfit, man. That's just exactly. what I wear. I don't know if you know this, but C Clamp notoriously left the lyrics out of their album liner notes. The versions that you have, Chris, are, are all digital only, so you never, you probably never looked at the liner notes but they they don't have lyrics i remember being at a group of people when i was living in champagne that included the singer tom and someone asked him why he did that and he basically said that uh, he viewed the vocals as just another instrument and then the same way you wouldn't include the sheet music for the song in the liner notes they didn't include the lyrics uh they wanted to leave them open to interpretation i guess i remember thinking that was kind of a cop-out um, if the vocals are there to be part of the atmosphere of the song, then why even have lyrics? Like, why not just ooh and ah over the music and the melody you want? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm absolutely with you. That is a little bit of a cop-out. I understand, like, you know, we're going to get into some metal stuff, and then we're going to talk about, like, that just being another instrument in the song because, you know, screaming vocals are very rhythmic and stuff like that. But, I mean, he's clearly talking about something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know 
if it was like a lack of confidence in his lyrics, uh, I, I really don't know what his reason was, but that's the reason that, you know, he gave it. Yeah. So eh, whatever it is, what it is, you can understand him for the most part. So if you really want the lyrics, you can write that shit down. Yeah. And, and really quick, not to leave it unsaid, but I'm not saying that, you know, metal, metal vocalists don't have anything to say. I'm just saying, you know, obviously if you're screaming and like high pitched and really low frequencies, you know, it's more of an instrument. It's not to say that, you know, they they don't have anything they're not trying to say. Right. Well, half the time you can't understand what the fuck they're saying. So they, right, they actually, if they didn't include lyrics, you have no way of figuring them out. <laughs> um, yeah. While the music in this song is fairly complicated, the song structure is not. It's basically just intro, verse, an abridged chorus with no vocals, verse again, then full chorus with vocals, and then a guitar solo, and then a final verse, and that's it. So... You know, it's not so much about the structure of the song, but how they maneuver through it, which is, you know, honestly, this is probably one of the simplest C-clamp songs in terms of song structure. Yeah. Um, But an example of something really subtle, but cool as fuck in the way that they transition from the abridged chorus back into the verse at a minute and 43 seconds in. the part that you're referencing right now you know i made a mental note of that too because it's the note that you think he's gonna end on is you know a little bit it's more minor it's like right before a fucking um how do i want to say this let's say you're playing an octave you know you're playing um you know the five seven it's like playing it's like ending on a six and then going to the seven yeah you know it's weird because i you know you listen to it and it feels almost a little wrong yeah what i wrote down is uh you know there's that that held open chord where the bass note feels like it's just about to tip off key and then the drums come back in with that funky fill back into the verse but it almost feels like it starts in the middle of the verse but it doesn't if you listen to the the chords you know it's very weird Uh, shit like that i mean i don't know if you i'm assuming you probably know it just from i was in a band called midwest years ago and we had a song called maple and that song was like very, very much inspired by what C Clamp does with the way mm-hmm. that they time things. Essentially, I wanted Midwest to be if C Clamp and Promise Ring had a baby, which is a weird combination, but that's how I envisioned Midwest. It was like, you know, Promise Ring's kind of poppy melodic stuff with C Clamp's yeah. kind of song structures and, you know, more complicated stuff, uh, which I kind of feel like we did, even though we, we sort of sucked. Um, I think we did. Well, Unless I'm just, you know, I just like it because I'm friends with you, you know, like I, I could say that I like this stuff and you did have, like you said, Aaron was kind of like pushing for more like complexity and like weirdness, right? Yeah. He, a, he, a he was holding down the C clamp into things and I was holding down the promise ring into things. Yeah. I think you guys had a really cool fucking mix, you know? And, yeah. I, you think, know, I, w- yeah. I would be curious to see what you guys would have went through, you know, had you stayed together. Yeah. That would have been interesting. we'll we'll never know um but uh moving on i love the lyrics in the second verse and this again talking about the lyrics a minute ago yeah i had to actually like listen to him to know what he was saying but the Mm -hmm. the second verse he says find myself holding sleep like a lifeline and believe there's substance somewhere find myself And believe 
And it, and it fits really well. And I mean, that's the thing. The lyrics, almost, he he's not really he's not really singing about something. He's just kind of throwing out ideas at you. He's like, you know, creating an image for you. But, it, you know, you kind of can take with it what you will. Which, again, and, I think and, I think that's part of why they didn't include the lyrics. You know, if, if he's to be believed, and I don't think he's just being pompous, then, I mean, it makes kind of sense in terms of this song. Right, and you saying that, you know, kind of pushes me a little bit more towards him and what he said, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've listened to the lyrics and stuff, but nothing has really stuck with me. Like, I went to kind of look for him, but I haven't really found him. And, um, you know, seeing this being played live and, and hearing that and just being in a particular mood, this this could be, like, the best song you ever heard. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and and you having seen it live... You know, maybe you were just in a certain spot and then just like, I mean, the the mood of this song is so fucking weird. It's just, you know, once you you're going through it and it's kind of like it's got like a little bit of melancholy to it. And then it comes to that solo part, which we're, we're going to get to. But it gets to that solo part and it's just like it just fucking hits you real deep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it was for me live. And yeah, I mean, you know, the blind pig just for you because i'm sure you have no idea it's essentially a bar with a stage have you ever been to the empty bottle yeah it's kind of like that but smaller um it, it was like a smaller version of uh, you know what it was like uh subterranean have you been in subterranean i have it's like that it's like that size and the stage was like that size you know i saw a lot of bands in champagne play that place i saw braid i saw karate i play, i saw boys life i saw yeah. um fuck a lot of bands caster you know a lot of bands play that place and uh you know it's a cool little spot it was interesting to see bands play there but yeah um, and uh especially this kind of music you know oh yeah and um you know for people who don't know what the subterranean's like and i don't know if the blind pig is like this but there's actually a balcony kind of surrounding the top of the stage so you could kind of like hang up there and look down and no balcony at the blind pig blind pig was smaller than that Okay, and it's just yeah. like the the lower floor, pretty much. Yeah, and subterranean, the you know the stage is probably you know four feet high and and whatever else, but you know just to who's somebody you saw at subterranean? Um, actually, Alvarez played there when he was playing in a band called Gypsy Blood. Okay. Um, I've seen Maps and Atlases there. Uh, a few other bands, and actually, the Blind Pig is still there. Um, well, I went to. Are you uh, looking it up? <laughs> No, I'm not. Um, oh, you in were two, in Champagne. That's right. Exactly, exactly. In 2009 and um, also two, 2011, I went to the Pygmalion Music Festival, which is put on by U of I. And um, it, it's a really awesome festival for people who just want to, you know, it's not unlike, you know, like Lollapalooza in the sense that it's multiple days, but it's more like uh, local musicians, but they also have some bigger people come through. Um, a lot of, you know, u of i alumni let's say i you know mike kinsella used to live in in champagne and american football and stuff um you know owen plays there um braid played there in 2011 when i went but yeah the blind pig is still there i haven't been there though all right what was that fucking um parasol records that was what that record store was called Mm -hmm. um you know i went there and i got really buddy buddy with the people that worked there actually um the first drummer from braid 
works there. And I think he runs it. I think he owns it. Roy. Yes, Roy. And, um, you know, I went there and I was talking to those guys and, you know, asking for suggestions and whatever they had. If they, you know, Castor had a new band or anything like that, (laughs) they gave me, uh, gave me some music, but it turns out that Nick, the bass player from C-Clamp was in a new band called the Horses Ha and he was going to play an in-store at Parasol Records. So I was like all excited, you know, so I go there and check it out and it's like ultra folky, like as folky as you could get. Like there was, they're all wearing straw hats and they're barefoot they're yeah they were wearing straw hats was there a banjo no i think there was like a fucking fiddle or ukulele or some shit (laughs) i was gonna say it could could have gotten slightly more folky if there's no banjo but if they had a ukulele or a fiddle then that makes up for no banjo yeah i mean you know he was playing stand-up bass and it couldn't be farther away from c-clamp so i was kind of bummed out but you're uh your 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 story about nick from c-clamp is uh, awesome and you need to tell that <laughs> okay uh my now ex-girlfriend <laughs> yeah seriously so my wild now, to me it's insane it's fucking nuts my uh my now ex-girlfriend has taken me to see blue man group on uh, two separate occasions <laughs> yeah and on the first occasion it was for valentine's day so we go there and if if you've never been to blue man group before which is you know a huge production in chicago at the briar street theater which is awesome. Check it out if you have the money to do so. It's Tickets aren't so cheap. It was like 80 bucks a ticket. But above the stage where the Blue Man Group is performing, there's a band that kind of plays along with them and you know does kind of atmospheric stuff, which is really awesome. The whole experience is really cool. But at the end of the show, <laughs> you know, the band and the Blue Man Group are like, you know, collecting money because the Blue Man Group, you know, was formed and, and they put on the show and they collect money for AIDS. So I'm walking out, and I was like, "Fuck, that guy looks really familiar." And this is after bi- you had had seen this this horses haw band, or no? Yes, it was. Okay. Th- yeah this this was more recent than that, and you know I know I'm kind of jumping around, but the band that plays above the Blue Man Group are wearing glow in the dark paint. So you know they're up there, it's all glow in the dark, and like, whoa, it's awesome. So I'm walking through the lobby and there's all these guys with glow in the dark paint on. I'm like, okay, that's the band. And one of the guys looks so fucking familiar. It's the fucking bass player from C-Clamp who, you know, is one of my favorite bass players. And I was like, whoa, was he playing the bass for the blue man group? Or was he playing like a drum? Like, I don't know how the blue man group works. Do they have a bass? Well, yeah, this band, you know, there's a guitar player, a bass player, a drummer, and I think a keyboard player, or there might be two guitar players, but, you know, it's a band, I mean, though. It's a band. It's a solid band. And they're doing all this cool stuff. But, you know, I met Nick at, you know, in Champagne. I was introduced, you know, oh, this guy loves C-Clamp. And I was like, oh, you know, that's awesome, you know. And I got his email and I asked him if he had any merch because I want to be, you know, the one guy buying C-Clamp merchandise, you know, in Chicago. Right. And like, you know, whatever. And I sent him multiple emails and he fucking never got back to me. And, you know, Aww. I saw him at Blue Man not at all dude it was it was really a bummer because i was like you want to buy a shirt i wanted to buy a shirt i can't imagine a world where like i mean i can't imagine a world where he has anything at home i mean maybe dude he he said he did i asked him Uh, (laughs) yeah i mean you know maybe his email got jacked up I'm, I'm, that's what I'm hoping because like maybe maybe death metal death metal whatever be your your old email address maybe that went straight to his spam folder oh, God. <laughs> that sucks Ugh. though 
you might be able know. to if you really want something you might be able to contact ohio girl the label that put their album out and they might have something i think I they th- still have a website i think i'm gonna do that you'll have to give me that later but you know i was thinking about going up to him and saying something but like you know, he seemed like, you know, halfway interested in meeting me. It's like, oh, that's really cool, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I felt, you know, I felt like the, you know, rejected girlfriend or the rejected <laughs> ex-girlfriend. Yeah, I know what you mean. My girlfriend took me home and dried my tears. This so is, like, that. kind of unrelated. Uh, actually, it's really unrelated, but you made me think of it. And I don't know if I've ever told you this story. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny because it happened during the time I was living in, Nor- in uh, Newport Beach when I got that first C-clamp seven inch but um i was a huge huge fan of a band called Jawbox, which um they're you know like mid to upper tier uh post hardcore band from you know washington dc um and they're one of the the first bands to go from discord records to a major label but yeah. this was back uh you know years ago i was probably right before i was right around when they signed that major label deal but i wrote them a fucking fan letter to to their fucking you know in their cds they have like an address and i don't think it was discord records it might have been but i wrote a letter saying you know hey i'm a huge fan of you guys and i really love the song dreamless which is the third track off of their album novelty and the lyrics are in the liner notes but there's something that's that being sung in the background during the chorus that you can kind of hardly hear it's like two people talking over each other and those lyrics aren't in there and it always was like what the fuck i want to know what he's saying so i asked like hey can you send me the lyrics or tell me what's being said in the background i know this is weird but it's driving me nuts i, I was like fully expecting never to hear from him again maybe like know, a month later i got a fucking letter back from from them and I think it was their bass player, the, the girl that plays bass for them. Um, but I got a letter back and, and she basically said, you know, thanks for writing. You know, I, we appreciate it, blah, 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 blah. Here are the lyrics. And it was written in handwritten on a piece of paper with pencil, like like handwriting, not like printed off a computer, just written in hand the lyrics and then a shitload of stickers. That's awesome. Yeah. I, was I thought like, you were going to tell me, like, she told you, you know, thanks for listening, but go fuck yourself. It's no, your it was the exact opposite of your experience. Like, she wrote me back, she gave me the lyrics, and they sent me a bunch of free stickers from the band, like Jawbox stickers, one of which I put on the back of our car. Do you still have that letter? No. It, unfortunately, it got, you know, I, I moved about a thousand times and broke up with about a thousand girls, and that, that got lost in one of those. Yeah, it's a shame. And, and, I have the memory you know, though, right in right in my noggin. <laughs> I see that we're on Skype right now, <laughs> but that's that's a bummer, you know. Like I'm not like I'm not really. Like I a know fan you don't have like kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, well, I'm sure you don't have ill will, but it's kind of you know, if if the same thing happened to you where somebody acted like that, you would be overly nice. You would you would I know for sure you would send them something. You would get back to them at least and talk to them. But at the same time, we don't have any idea what really happened with that dude. And I, I don't yeah. I don't know him at all. He's always seemed like a nice guy to me. And I, I don't think I, I doubt he like read your email and it was like, fuck this guy. It probably just got like lost somewhere. Or he read it and he like meant to get back to you. And then, you know, he lost track of it. Who knows? But yeah, he's human. It still sucks. So, you know, it would have been a better story had it ended with you wearing a fucking C-clamp shirt right now on Skype. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, should should he have sucked thirty seven dicks, I would forgive him. You know. <laughs> yes, I know. I promise um, I would. Be- because he's such a good bass player. Uh, maybe, maybe not right away, but I right, need I, a little bit of time. Exactly. Down the line, you'd, you'd eventually get over it. Um, yeah. The uh, the vocal harmonies. Back to the song. The vocal <laughs> harmonies on this thing are really subtle, but um, to me, they're completely necessary. Like they make the vocals work. I don't know that this song uh, and this whole album would be nearly as awesome without them and it was something that was lacking on the first album so to me you know between the two i like the first one i fucking love the second one and i think a lot of it has to do with that vocal harmony thing that they they sort of added to it yeah i agree i mean and that's the thing too there's a lot of stuff on that first album that i like a lot there's a lot of instrumental stuff and like you know kind of how me and you were talking about songs maybe almost not being songs they're like intros and like intertwining other songs yeah they had a lot of themes it felt like to me there was a track off of that first album i can't remember which one but um i think it's either like the second or the third track and the whole section at the end where it's like you know yeah you know i'm talking about yeah like the timing's real weird and fluid and and funky that directly inspired the end of the midwest song um on, on first exposure to Admiral Eyes, like the end of that yeah. where, where it's like, you know, I can't even, it's so similar when I, when I hum it. <laughs> just, just how you did it. Yeah. You can hear it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's really directly inspired by that. And it wasn't like I listened to one and then immediately wrote the other. I was <laughs> writing the one and I was playing and I'm like, this sounds fucking awesome. This is exactly what I want to close this song out with. And then after the song was written and we played it a bunch lot, like, you know, together, I realized, holy shit, like that was really influenced by this C-Clamp song. You know, again, that C-Clamp mixed with the Promise Ring was basically what I wanted my that band to be. So, But in the in the Midwest song, you added like, you know, like stutters. Yeah, we did a lot of stuff. I, I'll, at some point, I'll, I'll go through that song with you and t- I'll go through that album and show you all the things that were inspired by C-Clamp. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's get, uh, get to the guitar solo in this bitch. Um, <laughs> first off, this generally isn't the kind of music where you get a guitar solo, and what he does is so fucking cool. Like, it's not flashy, but it, you know, it's melodic and weird and awesome. my notes you know i called this a a solo but like a lot of people would hear it it's like you know people might hear us calling it a solo and it's very unconventional you know it's just very delicate notes and yeah it's just layered and then you know he puts in like some harmonics it's just like yeah one thing that you needed to hear he fucking plays i love the uh there's a little thing at he does it twice but the first time he does it in this part is at three minutes and 35 seconds uh-huh. Where he where he sneaks a little harmonic in, like he plays like four or five notes with some pick some uh some pull offs and shit, but he puts a harmonic in the middle of it. 
Yeah. It's fucking awesome. And I remember him doing that live and being like, oh, my God, that's fucking cool. Uh, and he fucking nailed it? Yeah, yeah. It's exactly what it... I remember it being just like that. But, oh, yeah, God. it was it was awesome. Um, and, you know, it's the little shit, like, where he chooses to pick a note versus, you know, he slides or he does a pull-off. I mean, the guy was a fucking genius. It's, it's so awesome. None of these guys have done anything else musically other than the bass player? No, no yeah, the bass player went on and did a bunch of, like, you know, he, he did a lot of shit, but none of it was like this, in my opinion. I mean, there's a few moments here or there. There's some good heroic doses stuff and... I mean, there, there's, I think he might have played with Five Style at one point, but there's some good stuff out there, but it's not even close to on this level. I mean, it, this band was the culmination of those three dudes for sure. Yeah. So I, I've never heard the guitar player do anything other than C-Clamp. I'm sure he's done something somewhere, but because this band is so unknown, it's really hard to get information. The fact that I have the information I have is because I was connected to the scene more than because I looked it up on the internet. Like there's, like I said, when you look on the internet for stuff, most of the stuff you find, I fucking put up there, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. So it's fucking weird. Um, uh, the reason I feel like I should mention the reason I call this a solo, because I never referred to it as a solo before, but the reason I called a solo is on that C clamp Facebook fan page that I created every like two or three weeks, I'll get like three or four new people liking C clamp, you know, it sends it to my email. Hey. Like still? Yeah, still like I got, wow. I got one like two days ago. It's just random people. And sometimes they're people I recognize their names from like the scene. And sometimes it's a random fucking person in some weird part of the country or the world. But one of the people who liked it, you know, they, they post stuff on the wall just about the band. Like, hey, I loved your band. You changed my life. Or you guys are fucking awesome. I wish you'd put another album out. Shit like that. But one of the people wrote, um, you know, I I remember the guy clearly is from Champaign or went to school in Champaign. And he said that he remembers um, talking to Nick the day that, that they recorded this song. And Nick had told him that, that Tom had just recorded the fucking coolest solo for this song. <laughs> and then obviously the album came out and the guy heard it and was like yeah he was right it's fucking genius but he re like referred to it as a solo so that's yeah. that's why i think of it as a solo just because knowing that when they recorded this song that's what nick called it <laughs> you know yeah so otherwise i don't think i ever thought of it as a solo before i read that comment some random person put on that facebook page anyway yeah so uh that's that's this song it ends with a, another verse which is similar to the rest and then it ends on a chord that ties this song into the next song which is really cool but since we're not talking about the next song we'll we'll stop there uh, <laughs> you know i could have picked any number of c-clamp songs for this show but this one stands out because of that moment when i first saw them play it live uh, this band never got the attention they deserved, and I feel lucky to have been able to, you know, be around when they were still going through. And thank you for showing them to me. Yeah, you know, I wish I could, you know, bust out my fucking time machine and take you back to the Blind Pig and, and see it. I think I might have saw them play at, like, a fucking, like, a Knights of Columbus or a JCC or some small, like, not meant to be played, you know, like, they set up on a makeshift stage in the middle of a gymnasium somewhere, too. I have, I saw them a couple times, and a couple of them were weird weird memories but this one the blind pig is the one that stands out because of this song yeah that's awesome dude is there uh is there anything you want to say that i missed um no you covered it um you know this just for people who obviously a lot of them haven't heard c clamp you know i mean is there anywhere that these people could find this music i know they have some tracks and stuff on youtube <laughs> like i was searching for like live footage and i just found album stuff yeah you can actually buy them off of itunes 
You can't. You okay. can. Yeah, you can go on. If you go on iTunes and look up C Clamp, you can buy both their albums on there. They're still available. I, I don't know who's going to get the money for those, but yeah, they're available on on iTunes. For people who have heard the clips that we put on this show for this band, and you know, many bands to come in coming episodes. This is me and a good friend of mine talking about music that has affected us in in a serious way. You know, some that you know he's heard elsewhere, some that I've shown him, or some music that he's shown me. If there's one thing amongst you know making people laugh and entertain that I want them to get from this show, it's to check out music that you haven't heard before. You know, I mean, it's based on the clips that you've heard on this band. There's this is one of their best songs, one of my favorite songs by them, but. As a whole, they they have so many good songs. So if you guys are interested, you know, seek out this music and and give it a listen because it gives me a boner. Yeah, I I, sh- <laughs> I, sh- I shake your boner as if it's a hand of somebody I'm meeting for the first time. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah, no, this this uh, I believe this is available on iTunes. So if you like the stuff you heard at all, you can download it. You could probably just download this one song if that's all you want, and it'll probably cost you ninety nine cents, you know, iTunes style, but the whole album's fucking awesome as is their their previous album so check it out on the uh on the next episode of the lover the fighter the lover edition we're gonna do passenger seat by death cab for cutie off their album transatlanticism this is chris's pick so uh we get to pick his brain a little bit and see why he likes that shit <laughs> we also have an email address for this show it's the lover the fighter at gmail.com so if you want to request a song or some such shit go go get some um you know hopefully we'll be doing this with regularity so um you know in the in the near future we'll be available on itunes but as of right this second we're not yet so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk about that thanks for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye